This is Chris from Play Comics, and you're listening to Pop Goes Your World. I'm Chris McBrien, and the pop culture from Generation X is everything to me. And I'm Derek Myers, and I'm here to educate Chris on the great pop culture of today's generation. Episode 152, Music Videos. Hey, I'm Chris McBride, along with Derek Myers, and this is Pop Goes Your World, the pop culture podcast for the generations. You're going to find us on Twitter, at McBrien for me, and at Amaron underscore DM for Derek, and popgoesyourworld.com is our website with all of our contact information. Derek, what's new in the world of pop culture in your world, my friend? Hey, Chris. Hi. Uh, well, I'm going to continue with my, uh, my trend here, and I'm going to mm-hmm. recommend yet another documentary that I watched nice. in the last I like couple documentaries. Of weeks. So I, I can't remember if I talked about this one because I watched it a few weeks ago and it was during that period where I watched like 10 things in one week and I think it got lost in the shuffle. So as I start to tell you this, if this sounds familiar, stop me because okay. I don't want to. It's, like, it's, like it's like a joke, you know what I mean? Stop me if yeah, you've exactly. heard this one stop before. Me if you've heard this before. Okay, go for so it, I'll tell you. the documentary is called, It's it just premiered on HBO, it's called Class Action Park. It's about the world's most dangerous theme park. No. Did we talk about this? No, before? I don't no. think okay. it doesn't sound okay. familiar to me. So, so in, I don't have to stop you. Go ahead. Okay. Okay. So, uh, it, it basically in, uh, the late 1970s, early 1980s, they created a, a, a gentleman. I, I honestly can't remember the guy's name. He was like a, a, an entrepreneur who was like really shady and he bought a ski resort in New Jersey and he realized in the summer the land wasn't being used. So he turned it into a water park so that in the summer it was a water park and in the winter it was a ski lodge. And the water park was the most dangerous, unsafe water park imaginable. And the guy had all these bizarre and crazy ideas for rides and, and themed stuff. And and so the documentary goes back and it highlights some of the, the craziness that this guy put into getting this thing off the ground. Uh, and it has a lot of firsthand accounts from people who grew up in the community that were at this water park or worked at the water park as teenagers. And like people literally died because the rides were unsafe. And the guy managed to skirt the law and keep the thing open because he was making so much money. And it's just this combination of ridiculousness and hilariousness. And and the documentary runs about 90 minutes. And the first hour, you just... Every minute is more bizarre than the minute that came before it. And then the last half is sort of the the decline. Because obviously when people die, eventually somebody has to be held accountable. And so the, the last part of the documentary sort of brings it back to earth and says like, hey, a lot of people are telling some pretty zany stories and you're doing a lot of laughing. But you got to remember, people lost their lives because of negligence. And then it starts to get serious towards the end and, and focus on that. So it's called Class Action Park. It's about the action park theme park. And it's fan. The documentary is fantastic. So that that's something I want to recommend. And, and then, sorry, where was that on? That was on. on it was on HBO. On HBO. Uh, so okay. HBO. So then the uh, another one. Then this is right in the uh, the Chris McBride wheelhouse. Oh, I, I watched I for the first time in thirty years yes. in its entirety. Mm-hmm. Arthur. Oh, geez, the one from nineteen eighty one. Oh, yes, so good. I'm going to recommend that for a future show. Anyway, it's on well, my list. But so I really good. wish you wouldn't because I didn't like it. Oh, really? I, I, I found the first. Okay, I forced myself to watch it because I know you hold this movie in high regard. 
as does my wife. Is it is it because it just didn't age well, or what was the what was the issue? I so I found the first half was incredibly difficult to watch because Dudley Moore being over the top drunk was so annoying. I just wanted to gouge my ears and eyes out as he was on screen. Had, had, sorry, and, had you seen this before? Or is this the first time viewing? Like as a teenager, I think okay. I saw parts of it. So this right. is probably the first time I've ever seen it start to finish. First half, yeah, was not a fan, but I heard such great things. I thought I'm going to give it a try. I found that the, uh, the like it runs about 90 minutes. So the first 30 were pretty painful. The last hour, it, I felt it got a lot better, largely because he wasn't that fall down, stupid laughing drunk for for most of that last hour. And when he was, it was very small doses, so I could handle it a little better. And uh, I know that the guy who played the butler ended up winning an Oscar, which he Sir well John deserved. Gilgood, he did. Yeah, Possibly. he was great. He, he was, was fantastic. Great. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I certainly would not recommend this movie to very many people, but I, I can see why some of you guys enjoy it so much. But yeah, just not my cup of tea. I thought the acting in it was great. I thought Dudley Moore was, I thought it was the best uh, performance of his career. Liza Minnelli, I thought was great in it. I thought, oh, I just, I thought it was good all the way around. The second one, I didn't like at all because that's where his, his drinking affected other people. They tried to have a baby and stuff like that. That's not funny. But I mean, in the first one, he, I think the point was it was just, it, it didn't affect anybody other than himself. And that was the, it was a, you know, it was comedy tragedy. Kind yeah. of, you know, but but I mean, the only person that really affected was himself until he fell in love. Yeah. You know, and it changed him. I don't know. I thought it was, I thought it was good. I liked it a lot, but yeah, I understand. Um, So that's everything from pop culture for you. Yeah. What, what's going on in the pop culture world? Uh, it's funny, not a lot of pop culture stuff this week, but I do have one podcast thing that I wanted to mention that after five seasons, three podcast award nominations being featured in the Wall Street Journal and on CBC Radio 1. You know, it was all that success. It's time for a bit of a studio revamp. So if you notice a difference in our sound quality, we actually, uh, we've actually gone pro. So we've hit the big time, Derek. We we, we put a little bit of, uh, you know, money into our studio work around here and some of our uh, recording stuff. So it, you know, it sounds a little bit better. So that's what's going on in my world. More of a podcast thing. Um, I wanted to mention, since we're doing music videos this week, that I thought I would give you my dad joke around music videos because I know how much you like that. So... Here's your dad joke of the week. Now, I, I want to mention also Madonna is one of the all-time queens of music video. And I'm sure she's going to come up at some point in tonight's show because she just, you know, was so iconic when it came to music video. So I thought I'd give you a Madonna dad joke this week. Are you ready? I, I think I am, yes. Okay. <laughs> Derek, <laughs> what's the difference between Madonna and the Titanic? Oh, I I honestly have no idea. More people have Madonna. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> wow. You'll have to explain the sensor beep to your friends again. Oh, my God. <laughs> I just want to remind you that jokes are supposed to be funny. Not just for you. I always laugh at these. I don't know. I they... know. Have the Big Mac, and we have the Big Mick. He helped yeah. Gilligan get off the island. Oh yeah, that guy. That man. guy. Joe Lewis was seventy-six years old. Well, I know you used to work at the Chuck E. Cheese, right? What is that? Real velvet? Just Oh, that boy is good. That boy yeah. can sing. That could work. Sexual chocolate. Oh, I, I've heard those lines before. <laughs> ah, what do you know from funny? <laughs> okay, 
So now here uh, on the podcast around here, between our movie reviews that we do on a regular basis, we usually do a top five list. Um, But this week we want to do something a little bit different. And we wanted to actually just sit down and have a conversation about music videos. Now, for myself, being a Gen Xer, I basically grew up with music videos being a big part of pop culture in my world. And Derek, I know you love music in general. You like music a lot more than I do. And I know you've said to me before how much that you love music videos. So we thought it would be a really interesting topic, you know, for this week. Now, I I, I will say this. If anybody, if you want to uh, see a top five list or listen to a top five list that we put together um, of our favorite music videos, you can always go back and listen to episode 43 of this podcast. Yancey and I ran down our top five music videos of all time. But this week, like I mentioned, we're just, instead, of, we're just going to focus on music videos in general as an art form, uh, as a huge influence on pop culture, and just how much they've meant to us personally over the years, I'm sure, as well. Now, Derek, you mentioned uh, that you wanted to do this topic. This was your suggestion, a very good one. So maybe you can start us off a bit. I, I was hoping to get uh, I guess a general idea of the place that music videos have in sort of the pop culture lexicon for you. Uh, do you want to start us off? Sure. So I uh, partly part of the reason I wanted to do this is because, as you mentioned, before I joined the show, you and Yancey did this topic, which I, if I remember correctly, when you and I went to see ZZ Top years ago, I suggested a handful of topics, this being one of them. And like the very next week, you guys did it. Yes. So I was happy to hear the episode. But a little bummed out now that I didn't get to participate in it. So this is sort of my my makeup. Nice. Uh, you know, it's like a do-over. The things and of have course, come full circle for you. So yeah. That's and great. of course, it never occurred to me until we started recording tonight that I could have easily just put together a top five list and run down the list during tonight's show. So that that's a miss on my part. I was too busy looking at the big picture and not not being selfish enough. So, uh, But yeah, as you mentioned, and as I've mentioned on a, new, on a number of our previous episodes... I love music videos. Now, I'm a big fan of 80s music in general, and that obviously is when the music video really came into its own. And when people talk about music videos, most people immediately think of music videos from the 80s. So it's it they're like they they go hand in hand. But one of the reasons that that I think brought us to this discussion is you and I have had this conversation a few times where I've talked about music videos and you said, yeah, well, it's too bad they don't really make music videos anymore. It's too bad much music and MTV don't show music videos on TV anymore. And and I've had to correct you on a number of occasions by letting you know that music videos are still a viable medium and are still very much in existence and are still very popular and produce a lot of uh, um, revenue for artists and they are still they're they're they've obviously changed over the years as technology has changed and as the way we consume media has changed as any art form should it should evolve with the times and it should be reflective of the the you know the audience that it's it's created for and i think that was where we sort of started this discussion was you know looking at what music videos were to us when we were younger versus where they were when we were, you know, maybe uh, past our teenage years and then where they are now and uh, and to get a sense of that. So uh, I think there's an opportunity to talk a little bit about the history of how music videos came to be, uh, how they became popular, why they were important, why they are important to pop culture, and then talk about some of the things that have led to the changes 
in music videos, the way they're made, the people who uh, participate in their creation, how music videos have been um, disseminated to the masses, uh, be it through television or internet or, or uh, file shares or whatever. And so there's a lot of room to tread here. And obviously, we're not going to talk about everything. Uh, we're not experts in this field. So I think we can come at it as guys who feel that we know a lot about pop culture. I know I've done a fair bit of homework on this episode for tonight, and I think you have as well. So, uh, you know, I think we're going to back up what we say with some facts, but I think there's going to be a fair share of opinion. And mm. not everybody's going to necessarily agree with some of the things we say uh, when it comes to opinion. When we talk about videos we liked or videos we felt were important, but I think, um, you, you know, our listeners have come to know that when we talk about a lot of these things, we preface it by saying like, this was something that I found important, or this was something that I enjoyed. And, and I think for some of the topics we're going to talk about tonight, that's going to be very true. But for other things, we're going to be able to say like, this was the number one music video of all time. This was the music video that has been viewed the most on YouTube ever. And like, these things are, are straight up facts. So We'll get a little bit of opinion with a little bit of facts, and hopefully we uh, we have a good time in the process. Yeah, I like where you're going. I think you're right. I think we need to talk a little bit about the history of music videos and kind of the future of them and all that kind of thing. Before we get into that, I want to mention for myself personally, like what music videos mean to me. Um, I would say I was 17 years old, 1987, and that was sort of the peak of music video uh, for, you know, watching for me. Um, I remember I used to, we used to have much music because we're Canadian and we didn't have MTV. We had much music up here in Canada, which was the Canadian MTV. And I would watch it when I was 17 and I would get out the VHS and I would record videos as they came in that I liked. And then I would have like a couple of VHS tapes full of this stuff. So that was kind of the peak watching of music videos for me. But I will say, um, like, like yourself, I went back and did quite a bit of homework, um, just looking at different music videos, I wanted to just kind of, you know, it's been a while since I've seen a lot of them. I wanted to watch some of them again and kind of refresh my memory on some of it. 1984 was the single greatest year for music in the history of the world. I just got to say that. Like in the all the homework that I was doing and looking at some music videos and stuff, man, oh man, that was a great year. It was just so, so good. There was so much going on. But that's for another show. I think we need to do a show at some point. 1984, the year in music. Like, that's a two-hour show right there. I think even just the year in pop culture. There was a lot of good oh, movies so and television. From I agree. Too. What? A, that was just a great year. Um, uh, yeah, let me, sorry, let me, I don't think I actually answered the question you asked me about, mm -hmm. like, why are music videos important to me and how did I get into it? So mm -hmm. just sort of piggybacking on what you just said. Um when I was younger, we didn't have much music because it was part of the premium pay cable services, which, you know, my parents didn't feel that was a necessary expense. But years later, we did get it. And uh, before we had it, I remember there were two ways that we got to see music videos on a somewhat regular basis. There was a television show, I believe it was just straight up called Friday Night Videos. Yes. And, yes. and it was on late. It was on at like 1130 or 12 o'clock on Friday nights. And you got to see music videos. So that was something we always look forward to. And as as a youngster, it was often difficult to stay up that late to see them. But it was a real reward if you managed to do it. And then they did one. I think it was right after school. And it was like video hits, I think it was called. And it had the, the DJ or the VJ, I guess they were. I think he ended up going on to be a journalist with CNN, if I remember correctly. I can't think of the guy's name, but it'll come to me. Um, but yeah, those were sort of the two outlets we had. Uh, it was, I think a 30 minute program after school and it was like daily video or video hits. I think it was just called video hits. And then the Friday night one was sort of the, the big one. And then years later we did get much music and, and 
I, you know, again, I, I did like you did. I recorded. I would just put the VCR in at night or I would put the cassette in at night after everyone had gone to bed and said, record from midnight onward. The tape six hours go. And uh, that was it. Then I had this whole stash of music videos. It was great. Nice. And we'll, we'll, we'll circle back to that, you know, kind of some of the TV shows and some of the ways that it was um, distributed, you know, the music videos. But before we do that, I want to talk a little bit about the history of music videos, because I think people seem to think of music videos originating around the same time as MTV. But that's not the case at all. Music videos were around for years before that. And really, it was the fact that they were becoming so popular that really led to the creation of MTV as a means to distribute them and, and, and as a place for people to watch music videos exclusively. Um, well, that was the original idea of MTV, which obviously changed over the years, but we'll get to that, I'm sure, in a bit. Um, but like I say, music videos have been around forever. The Beatles, if you think, they started out making videos of their early songs that were basically just live footage of them playing the songs. I'm talking about the early stuff from like 64, 65. But then as their music became more conceptual, so did their videos. Because if you think of stuff like Penny Lane and especially Strawberry Fields Forever, those were some amazing music videos, some of the best ever made. Well, and I mean, the, the Beatles ended up making movies, which ultimately they were able to, to, after the fact, splice out what became a music video. So like you have something like Yellow Submarine, which they can just cut out the parts of the movie that are feature the song. And it's like, Hey, here's a video. Right. And, uh, or even hard I mean, days that, night or help. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. And some, some of them were super, like you said, super straightforward. It was either just the band performing or yeah, I think it was hard days night where it's like, they're just traveling around. They're walking down the street or they're driving around in the car. And it's like, and there are a lot of music videos that came after that, that sort of just did that kind of simple thing. It was like, we need a video. Okay. Limited budget. Here's how we're doing it. Um, but yeah, the Beatles certainly were one of the first bands to uh, to do it successfully. But it even goes back before them because the term music video itself was coined by the Big Bopper in 1959. He used the term in an interview that he did for a magazine uh, not long before he died in a plane crash that year with Buddy Holly and Richie Valens. Day the music died, yep. February 3rd. But uh, the Beatles, I think, were... They were a huge influence on the whole idea of the music video, kind of like you mentioned in the way that they did things. Um, they were... No question, they're the single most influential band in the history of music. So I guess it's not much of a surprise that they were at the forefront of music videos. But the Beatles weren't the only ones that were making videos back in the day either. Have you ever seen Bob Dylan's video for Subterranean Homesick Blues? I have not. It's from 1966. It's one of the first music videos. Uh, at least it's one of the ones that I always think of when I think of the beginning you know, of music video as, as an art form. It's in black and white. It's basically just Bob Dylan standing outside of a warehouse and he's got like this he's holding on to like this big pile of these cue cards and they all have oh, okay. single yeah, yeah, words I've seen that. yeah yeah it's been it's been uh ripped off oh yeah on many occasions many times yes, yes. it's been used okay. over and over and there's so they're playing the song and he just flips through the cards one at a time and some of the key lyrics like all the cards cards like they correspond to the lyrics in the song right really mm -hmm. simple simple concept but it works so well so that to me is always one of the first music videos I think of outside of the Beatles. And then as they moved into the seventies, music videos were important as well. And in 1974, Queen put out a video for Bohemian Rhapsody. And this was one of the first times where the video had as much to do with the marketing of the song as the song itself. And probably I would say it's the example that I think most people kind of gravitate toward, um, 
when, when they when they think of the you know the this is the one example where it really put music videos on the map. Yeah. So one of the things that I was uh, learning in so one of the reasons we're doing this this topic now is last week or the week before I had mentioned I watched a documentary surprise prize uh, watched a documentary on the arts and entertainment A and E channel uh, biography special called I Want My MTV. Yeah, you mentioned that last the history week. of yeah. it. And so one of the things they brought up, which I, I uh, you know, read again this week when I was doing the homework, was um, in the UK they have the show Top of the Pops, and they would bring on uh, you know rock and roll or pop stars, and they would perform the the their latest song on television. Now, in order for things to run smoothly, they had to play the recorded version of the song, and the artist would just lip sync and dance. And so what I was reading about Queen was they didn't feel comfortable lip syncing they didn't they didn't feel it was authentic and so by creating the music video for bohemian rhapsody that was their way to sort of sidestep that rule and still appear on top of the pops and um so yeah that that's i i read a lot of sites where people accredited as bohemian rhapsody being the first sort of quote modern music video and then of course it was re-released in the 90s when wayne wayne's world came out and and again hit the charts a, a second time as we've talked about before when we just did our uh, queen episode absolutely and and the thing is i, I, I want to we'll come back to that in a second because i because I, sure. I like the fact you mentioned top of the pops um because you know the whole 24-hour music video on tv thing you know we'll, we'll get to that in a second but the thing is before mtv came out in 1981 you know the question is like where did people watch music videos now for me personally I remember watching them as interstitial programming. Now, when we first had the movie channel here up here in Canada, between movies, they would sometimes play music videos. And I remember, oh, this is where I basically first discovered music videos. And I'll I'll tell you, two that stand out in my mind for whatever reason. I'm not sure why these two stand out, but these are the ones I remember the best. Maybe, I don't know, maybe they just played them more than the other ones, but two early music videos that I used to watch as interstitials were Meatloaf. Um, the song was called Modern Girl. It was from his album Bad Attitude. He never really recaptured that success that he had with Bad Out of Hell, but I remember this video uh, for Modern Girl. It played on the movie channel all the time. And the other video that stands out in my memory from that time was a song called Romeo and Juliet by Dire Straits. I don't know either of those songs. Oh, I know, you know both of those bands, but I don't know either of those songs. Yeah, they were both like 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 lesser songs from the artist, but they had music videos and they played them a lot. And another one that just came to my mind was whenever I think of videos from the early eighties, I always think of Mickey by Tony by Basil. Tony Basil? Yeah. Oh, hate and, that song. And, and I like I well, I will say this. Like for a twelve year old boy watching a music video of girls dancing around in cheerleader outfits, well, just like that had an impact. But I mean, I always remember that one too. But um you mentioned a couple of important things, and those were TV shows that they had that featured music videos before MTV. Um, Friday Night Videos, I remember that one. And Bohemian Rhapsody, like you mentioned, on Top of the Pops, because the thing with Top of the Pops was it was kind of like, it was like British, the British version of Ed Sullivan. Like bands would come on and they would perform live. But Queen was out on tour, and so they couldn't make it into the studio. And so they produced the video uh, for Bohemian Rhapsody, and like you said, they, they they weren't comfortable going on the show anyway and lip syncing. So they, they, they kind of made this video to kind of replace them being on the show. And, you know, lo and behold, it became a huge hit with audiences right around the world. And I think it might be one of the most important events in the history of music videos 
overall because it really it paved the way for other artists to do the same thing create music videos as a marketing tool you know and but the thing was like other than the odd show here and there like you know like we mentioned that were dedicated to music um you know in general or music videos specifically there wasn't a lot of places to go to watch music videos until august 1st 1981 with MTV. MTV. When they debuted and obviously played the Buggles video killed the radio star. But like we mentioned up here in Canada, we had much music. Now, it didn't start till a few years later. It started in August 31st, 1984. And they would tape in the front of the windows at the Chum Building in downtown yes. Toronto at the yes. corner of Queen and John. And you could walk by and watch them shooting the shows. Yep. Like I never did that. Did you ever walk by and see it? Well, yes, but but not for that reason. There was a uh, very well-known comic book store called the Silver Snail, which was just down the street. And so we used to go once a week to buy comic books. And of course, we would always stop by the the Chum building, the Much building, the City TV building and look in and see what they were shooting. So, yeah, I walked by a lot and it was just a, a happy coincidence. I never, ever did walk by and watch them shooting. But I'll tell you what, over the years, I've been lucky enough to meet a lot of the early personalities from Much Music. Um, Steve Anthony and Denise Dawn that I met when I was working at Ontario Place. Remember when I used to work there back in the day? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, when my, I used to have a TV show uh, back in the, you know, in the 90s and it was nominated for an Ontario Cable TV Award and I, and then when I was there, I met Erica M and Rick Campanelli. He was known as Rick the Temp. Rick the Temp. Yeah, yeah. back then. Uh, I met Kim Clark Chapness once when I was uh, the manager at Chuck E. Cheese's in Toronto nice. and I met George Strombolopoulos once at a Jays game. So I've, I've like, for whatever reason, I've run into all these people that used to be on Much Music. You you, you hit the Much Music bingo, man. Yeah, <laughs> you know. But before I met any of those uh, those VJs, I, I did used to watch Much Music a lot. I mean, it was a staple, you know, up here in Canadian pop culture, just like MTV is in the United States. Um, the only difference between the two, I should point out, is that Much Music had to abide by a Canadian law. And the CRTC stated you had to play 33% Canadian content. And like it or not, this did a lot for Canadian musicians. Because if you think about it, bands like Platinum Blonde and Honeymoon Suite and Glass Tiger and Corey Hart, like they all got a big boost from that legislation. And it's not like we were just forced to watch a bunch of crappy Canadian music videos. Like some of this stuff was really, really, really good. Some of the better videos of the time, I thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, the um, uh, just to go back a bit, you were talking about ways that we used to get videos. I remember for me, the the way that I, I remember getting a regular dose of music videos was uh, I think it was Sunday night. They used to do the Chum 30 countdown. Yes. And it, it was because Chum uh, it had AM and FM radio stations here in Toronto. The Chum building, as we just talked about, was where uh, uh, much music was out of. Um, and uh yeah, they used to do the countdown. Of course, the show was an hour. They would count down 30 songs. You can't fit 30 songs in an hour. And as it turned out, not every artist had music videos at that time, or some of them didn't have music videos that really were that good. And so you you they could skip over certain songs as they were going through their countdown. And I remember that was the highlight of my week. It was always, uh, you know, come downstairs after dinner on Sunday night and watch the, the Chum 30 countdown. I remember the very first time I, I started watching it, I can remember the videos being in the countdown were uh, Burning Down the House by the Talking Heads. Yes. And uh, Big Country in a Big Country. And uh, the romantics talking in your sleep. I can mm-hmm. remember all those being on like one of the first episodes I watched. 
And yeah, I mean, I was already into pop music, so that that was a huge hook for me. And then not long after that, Michael Jackson came along, and I'm sure we're going to talk more about him in a few minutes. Oh, of course. And yeah, that was again. I didn't have much music, but I knew that Chum Thirty eventually was going to show uh, Michael Jackson's Thriller. So that uh, that was a game changer for me. You know, basically having an outlet to watch music videos 24 hours, you know, just took the whole music videos to another level. You know, in some cases, the videos were more popular than the songs themselves, you know. Well, and I can remember hearing about um, in the States, they were talking about how um, once MTV was available, uh, certain bands started to get huge upticks. And at first, the record companies couldn't figure out why. And then when they did a little bit of investigation, they realized this artist has a video on MTV. And because there were so few videos in rotation, you would get these artists over and over and over again. And right. and so kids watching the video channel would be exposed to this same song hundreds of times over a week. And I, I can remember one interview where they said it was as it was as clear cut as if you lived in this side of this, this uh, if you lived on this side of the street where you could get uh, MTV and you had MTV, those kids were into certain music. And on the other side of the street where the cable provider didn't provide MTV, those kids didn't have access to it. So they weren't into that kind of music. And um, so, yeah, in the in the 80s, when MTV became huge, certain artists that had either the foresight or the good fortune to have some videos uh, saw huge boosts in their career. And then a few artists came along. Well, a lot of artists came along that understood the value of this medium and jumped on board and and were amazingly successful. And, uh, you know, we should probably move on and talk about some of that real soon. Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's important to, to understand just the the influence that music videos had even on mainstream culture. I mean, there's an old saying that says art imitates life. And there's been a few times where music videos have just had a huge influence on mainstream culture. But the example that always comes to my mind was 1981 with Olivia Newton-John when she did her uh, video of physical. Yeah. It basically ushered in an entire wave of workout videos and it transformed this sort of lazy demographic of the 1970s people into suddenly fitness-crazed population that they became. And it was all about getting into shape. Like, it was just incredible how that, the influence that that video had on just transforming, you know, the general population. It was incredible. But that led right into what I believe is the most important decade when it comes to music videos. And that was the 1980s. Of course. No decade was more influenced by music videos in the eighties. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, you had, so again, some of this, if I got from that documentary, I just watched last week. So they said at the beginning of MTV, there were only a handful of artists had videos and a lot of artists that didn't have, quote unquote official videos had a lot of concert footage that they could very easily turn into music videos. So they said uh, Rod Stewart was a good example of that, where as soon as MTV started to take off, the people that represented Rod Stewart said, hey, we have tons of concert footage. And they put together like, you know, six or eight videos of his biggest hits. And suddenly Rod Stewart was in heavy rotation on on um, MTV and saw a huge rise in his record sales. And then, you know, not long after that, you see artists like Pat Benatar, who was, uh, you know, trivia question was the second artist second played one, on MTV. Yep. Yep. And, you know, again, she she's she's a talented artist. She's pretty. She had a unique look. And suddenly 
boom, it's a trendsetter because her videos are being shown over and over and over. And then not long after that, you get bands like Duran Duran. It's like, here's five young, good looking guys. They're talented. They can sing. They can play their own instruments. Uh, you know, they're, they've got a sense of style or they've got enough intelligence to work with people who have those things. And you get things like the Rio video and the Hungry Like the Wolf video and the Planet Earth video where it's like as they put out, I believe it was their second album, they they their record company had had enough foresight to say, here's a budget. Go to I think they went to Sri Lanka, if I remember correctly. And they're like, record a bunch of videos. And so they basically got to go on vacation and uh, and they they shot these videos and this is not to say they're the world's greatest videos by any stretch of the imagination, but they had a visual style. And suddenly you had a visual to go along with the audio of the music. And that became a huge thing in the 80s, right? 80s is all about substance. Uh, it's all about style over substance. It's all about, you know, uh, what is the thing, Billy Crystal? It's better to look good than to feel good. <laughs> yeah. And honey, you look marvelous. It's like that's that Duran Duran embodied that. So many artists in the 80s did that. It was like your look was almost more important than your sound. But if you didn't have a look, that could hurt your sound. Like someone, we were just talking about Arthur's, a great example, Christopher Cross. He sang the the, the theme song from Arthur, yes. huge hit. And his career was killed by MTV because he has a face for radio. I mean, I'm sure he's a nice guy and he's clearly talented and his voice is fantastic, but he doesn't look like Duran Duran and that killed his career. Uh, whereas you get Duran Duran and you get Culture Club and you get Madonna and you get people who look good on video, understand how to manipulate the visual medium in such a way to to really create a unique look and bang they're superstars they're super duper megastars and then michael jackson just took it to a whole new level i understand that i'm a little bit biased this way as a gen xer but the 1980s as a decade were the best ever for music in general you know but that being said this was also the heyday for music videos and for me some of them stood out more than others um I, th I believe some of the most influential videos of all time came out of this decade. I'm glad you mentioned Duran Duran because that was one for me was Hungry Like the Wolf. They, when they when they came out with this in 82, they weren't even hardly known at all in the United States until this video came out. And then overnight, they were suddenly superstars. And this video was influential because it showed that if you had a popular music video, this could make or break you as an artist. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it didn't hurt that Raiders of the Lost Ark had just come out and they they've fully admitted they're like, we, we saw Raiders of the Lost Ark. It was a huge hit. We're like, we want to do something like that for our video. And so if you watch the video, knowing Raiders of the Lost Ark, it's yeah, you could totally see where they're like, yep, that that was influenced by Raiders. That was influenced by Raiders. It's it is. It's exactly it that was. And there was a TV show right around that time called Bring Them Back Alive. That was the same kind of thing as this video and, a, and a Raiders. And you're right. They definitely played on that. Uh, another one that I, I want to mention was um, Money for Nothing by Dire Straits yes. in 85. It's yes. easy, I think, to look back now on this video and maybe even laugh at the CGI graphics. But I'll tell you what, when that video first came out, it was groundbreaking. Yeah. You know, yeah, for it sure. was groundbreaking. And another one that was groundbreaking was the same year was AHA's Take On Me. The the pencil sketch animation, the rotoscoping. Yeah. I, I looked this one up on YouTube because I remembered it. It has over a billion views. That's a billion oh, yeah. with a B. Like, it's oh, yeah. incredible, you know? Yeah. Um, another one that I wanted to mention was earlier in the decade from 81 was the Talking Heads Once in a Lifetime. Remember that video? Yeah. I think if there is one video 
that I would say has had more influence on millennial music videos, I'd say it's this one. I think if you look at anything that was done by, remember Daft Punk in the 90s? I do. Like artists like that. Like I, I think a lot of their roots are here in this video and Once in a Lifetime, like that trippy background and the odd dance moves coming in and out of the frame. And it's a really simple music video, but it's really, really effective. And like these guys are weird. It's a weird video, but they were also groundbreaking artists and they, they had an influence, I think, on artists to come, you know? Yeah. So, so let's, let's move forward a little bit. So I, I mentioned Michael Jackson a minute ago. So Michael Jackson, the King of Pop, arguably the greatest musician ever. You, we, you, you could argue that as a solo performer, he's the biggest musician ever. Cause I don't know if necessarily he's bigger than the Beatles, but that's certainly an argument that you could do on both sides of that. You could argue no artist in history has been more influential than Michael Jackson. I agree. I, I, yeah. I wouldn't argue that for a Not second. just in his music or his dancing, but in his music videos. Yeah. They re- really he, redefined what music was. Absolutely. They and redefined I what music could be, you know, for sure, for sure. And that was, and, and so one of the things with the Thriller video, uh, so Michael Jackson had done videos prior to Thriller, but they weren't great. Uh, and they they very much leaned on the sort of the disco look because his his music before the Thriller album very much was influenced by his disco roots. And then when you get Thriller come along, he, he and he's gone on record to say that it's like he never even called them videos. He always called them short films. And they were. They literally were short films. He brought John Landis in to direct it. He brought in Rick Baker. It was Rick Baker, right? To do the makeup. Yes. And it's like, these are these are people that work in movies. And so he brought them, you know, they, they came together to collaborate to do the thriller music video, which is in itself a short film. And and that that changed everything. And I mean, I, I don't think we're we're uh um you know ruining ruining history for anyone. I think everyone who's listening this far in knows all about thrillers so we don't have to go into it too too much but it cost an exorbitant amount of money and it it changed changed the game it got michael jackson number one song number one music video he brought all these recognizable names to music video medium that you know it, it's like in the old older 70s and 80s people were either tv stars or movie stars and you didn't have movie stars appearing on tv because that was slumming it this was the same idea you now have major movie people doing music videos. So suddenly maybe it's not as slumming it to do a music video. And what we're going to see in the nineties is people who became great directors later started in music videos because it became a good way to, you know, do a five minute film and demonstrate your chops. And, um, yeah, arguably Michael Jackson thriller, best video ever. I think a lot of people would argue that that's the case partly for it's, what it is and just watching it and partly because of its influence and its importance and the fact that it was number one at so many things, uh, including, you know, top of the charts. But uh, yeah, you can't say enough good things about this. Video. I'll take it a step further. Actually, if you, if you step back and look at music, the history of music videos, the 70s, 80s and 90s were like the heyday, right? I mean, that was the, the peak. And it, it really think about this for a second. Michael Jackson, don't stop till you get enough is the definitive disco music video of the 70s. Yes. Thriller is the definitive music video of the 80s, like you mentioned. Absolutely. And Black or White is the definitive music video of the 90s. Michael Jackson killed music videos. Like yeah, he, he certainly, was the uh, king of them. Yeah. He certainly Three had decades. a good creative. Yeah. Three decades and he had the best music video from each decade, I would argue. You know, 
Oh, one thing I wanted to mention, we were mentioning about much music. When I was a teenager, I couldn't wait until Thursday afternoons from five o'clock until six o'clock every Thursday. There was a show called the Power Hour. The Pepsi Power Hour. <laughs> now, when I was a teenager, I gotta I gotta admit, I really liked heavy metal and hard rock. Like I was a rocker. Yeah, you know, I had long hair. You know, I was in a band. I used to have those black t-shirts, you know, with the white sleeves and the bands on them. Yep. You know, I was in a metal oh man, I was I was like a metalhead. You know, but anyway, on Thursdays, back I would watch. When you were skinny and had long hair. Exactly. You know, back in the day when I had <laughs> hair and yeah, I didn't weigh as much. Um, but I, I used to watch the Power Hour every Thursday afternoon, and it was hosted by J.D. Roberts. And he later changed his name to John Roberts, and now he's on Fox News. What a change. You go from being a VJ on Canadian Music Station to shilling for the right wing. But anyway, um, Power Hour would feature music videos from heavy metal bands. And the 33% Canadian content rules were in place still. So they would have videos from like Lee Aaron and the Headpins and Helix. I loved it. It was awesome. I looked forward to it every week. And, you know, as, as much as I like a wider array of music now, but I got to tell you, when I was a teenager, I pretty much just liked hard rock. You know, so there were there. And the thing was, there was a lot less videos from those kind of bands. So the Power Hour was just so good for me. I always enjoyed that. Uh, I want to touch base on a couple of what I would call some of the best music video artists, especially I'm going to go back to the 80s, but like ZZ Top, you mentioned earlier, we went to see ZZ Top in concert. They utilized music videos very, very effectively in the 80s with their fuzzy guitars spinning around and the beards and like the way that they would, you know, put their arms and then the car and everything. And I thought Van Halen was really good at it, too. Yeah. Yeah, like if, for sure. I think of something like Hot for Teacher. Like this is one of the best music videos I've ever seen. And another one that stands out to me was, of all things, Twisted Sister. You know, right. like their videos were great. Remember when they used to have Mark Metcalf? You know, is that a pledge pin on your uniform? Like their music videos were very effective at helping to, to make heavy metal, you know, more appealing to a widestream audience. But the best, like you say, were Michael Jackson. And another one that I think, uh, you know, I mentioned her at the top of the show is Madonna. Of course. Yeah, I was man, we gonna, I was going to get to her after Michael Jackson. She was just something else in terms of music videos. Remember that whole Like a Prayer video mm-hmm. thing that went on? Like, I remember back in, it was in the, in the winter of 1989, Pepsi signed this huge promotional contract with Madonna. And the video for Like a Prayer was coming out and it was all hyped up. And then the video came out and it was really controversial. And there was this huge backlash mostly from religious groups in the United States. And the thing was, I mean, let's be honest, they, they said they were offended by the religious images in the video, like the crucifix and stuff like that. But I think we all know, even as a teenager, I knew they were up in arms because it featured Madonna kissing a black man. Yeah. You know? and, and I remember at the time thinking how hypocritical the whole thing was. Like, But Pepsi's marketing team, they're a bunch of idiots. Like, I mean... Madonna is the most controversial artist of all time. If you think you're going to align yourself with her, you know, and not expect any controversy, then you're just, you're doing this wrong. You know what I mean? (laughs) If you align yourself with her, you know, because she's controversial, maybe because you want to come off as edgy, you know, then at least have the balls to stand up for what you believe in. But no, instead they cut ties with her. Yeah. Craziness. Like they just let her go after that video came on. I remember. 
I think she still got paid, so I'm sure she didn't yes. really care one way yeah, or the they, other. Yeah, they let her keep the, the money the, and they just cut the deal. Yeah. Yep. What's that saying? Uh, there's no such thing as bad publicity. Well, she mm-hmm. certainly got her fair share out of that deal, and I'm sure her record sales reflected uh, all that popularity and controversy and, and free advertising. So all good. Um, I, I, there's a couple artists. I'm not going to go into it right now because mm-hmm. they're more recent, but there are a couple artists that are, are very popular right now that have – taken the art of music video to a whole new level and do it better than anybody else. I'll talk about those in a little bit because it's yeah, sort of, yeah, we'll wrap up with that because years, you could definitely contribute more to that than I can. That's for yeah. sure. So a couple, uh, let me just sort of run. I want to, I want to move us from the eighties to the nineties, but there's a couple of things I want to just touch on before we go real quick. Mm-hmm. So, uh, weird Al Yankovic has oh, yes. been a topic of discussion yes. on a couple of our shows. We, yes, uh, we like he, obviously his music is, uh, satire and parody, of what it, what is and what was popular at the time. And one of the things that I think really made Weird Al as popular as he was and, and keeps him as popular as he is, not only is his ability to um, make a great parody of very popular songs, but he would very often use parody to mimic the video as well. Uh, again, I'm thinking the Michael Jackson ones stand out more than any of the others with uh, Eat It, Eat it and bad, yeah. uh, or beat it fat. and bad, both yeah. parodied by eat it and fat. Yeah. Where the video is in most cases nearly, if not exactly, shot for shot. Yeah. In many cases, he's able to get the same location, um, the same costumes, the same extras in many of them. Like the the bad and fat video feature a lot of the same extras, uh, just obviously in fat suits. And he, again just he's taken this idea of parody and satire to a whole new level. And I, I think that's what really um, uh, cemented his superstardom for somebody who, uh, you know, is not your typical pop star rock star. And he did this all through the eighties. He did this through the nineties. He's still working now, not nearly to the extent that he was when he was younger, but that, that was certainly one of the, the real staples of of his success, like even with Nirvana, when he did his parody of uh, "Smells Like Teen Spirit," he got the same location, he got the same extras, he got like, and it. You watch those two videos, side, and you can go on YouTube and find them where they show them side by side. His attention to detail was amazing, and again, here's someone who understood the value of a video to help uh, push their sales as a musician and. Uh, and it's great. He's, he's so good. You can't talk about music videos without at least bringing up Weird Al. I agree. You know, just Michael Jackson, I just want to just double back to him for a second because sure I was thinking too, um, like he he really used music videos to market himself and his music like better than any artist in history. Like who else could consistently put out videos that were like eight and nine and 10 minutes and more in length? And mm-hmm. if, if you think of the 10 longest videos in history, Michael Jackson has probably like eight of them. Like if you think of Ghosts and Bad and Thriller and Smooth Criminal and Remember the... Like they were all these like long... It's You mentioned um, a term, um, not music video, you said it was like short film. Yeah, you called them like short films yeah. or short movies, which they definitely were. And then the music video was sort of sandwiched in there. So when you got it in replay... Like you said, remember the time's a good one where he has like this whole elaborate intro and then he's got the music video and then he's got this like conclusion to it. And when you get the video, they just chop off the start and the end of it so that it'll play in five minutes or less. But much like with Thriller, when they first started showing it, they showed the whole 15 minute version. But then as it got into rotation more, they they chopped it down. You're right. There was two versions of the Thriller video I remember watching. There was the full one and then there was some of them. It was just the music part in the middle. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. um, 
Okay. The other thing, uh, let's see. So where do we want to go from here? So I want to, I want to move into the nineties. So we've got, um, a number of up and coming movie directors cut their teeth on music videos. Some of them made some of the best music videos. Uh, and some of them did tons of music videos before moving on to movies and some are still doing both, but there's a few that I want to just touch base on. So now that we're getting out of your wheelhouse a little bit, Chris, uh, you know, stop me as you want to jump in. You're in the driver's seat for sure. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm going to be in the driver's seat. So <laughs> Go for it. Uh, I put together a list of a few sort of well-known directors okay. that uh, sort of got started in music videos. So I'm going to just start at the bottom and go up here. So you have someone like Zack Snyder who love him or hate him is a very popular movie director. He directed the recent justice league. He directed the recent Superman movie. He directed, um, uh, geez, the 300, uh, adaptation of Frank Miller comic book. Um, he's, he's done a lot of comic book stuff, but he started off doing videos by Morrissey and soul asylum and my chemical romance. So again, he's got this and no surprise. I don't really know who he is. Yeah. Chris is like, are you speaking in English? I don't understand any of those words. Um, So he he has a handful of music videos, and that was definitely where he got noticed. Michael Bay, who uh, is best known for movies with big explosions, things like Armageddon and the Transformers franchise. You know, he he, uh, got his start in music videos. He did the video for the Divinals, I Touch Myself, and Meatloaf's I'll Do Anything for Love, but I won't do that from his Bad Out of Hell 2 album in the early 90s oh yeah that was like a big comeback for him i remember yep. that yeah uh director anton antoine fuqua uh did gangster's paradise by coolio and uh, the most beautiful girl in the world by prince again he's gone on to have a, a very strong movie career uh, he did training day is probably one of his most recognizable films uh again he's got his start on music videos uh, and then two of my favorite uh, uh, m- music video directors and one of my all-time favorite movie directors is David Fincher. David Fincher did 29 music videos. Uh, he's best known for direct- for directing the videos Vogue by Madonna, Freedom 90 by George Michael, in which George Michael doesn't even appear in the video, Straight Up by Paula Abdul and Janie's Got a Gun by Aerosmith are some of his highlights. Uh, Fincher has gone on to do a ton of great stuff. I talk about him all the time on this podcast. Uh, he did seven, which I think is probably one of his most well-known. Um, and he's obviously still working today. Uh, great music videos and a great filmmaker and probably arguably the best music video director ever. Spike Jones, uh, Spike Jones, best known for the amazing sabotage by the beastie boys, buddy Holly, by Weezer, where they're uh, spliced into Happy Days. So, Chris, mm-hmm. I'm sure you've seen that one before. Yeah, they're they're at uh, they're at Arnold's, right? Yeah, uh, he did Weapon of Choice by F- Fat Boy Slim, which has Christopher Walken tap dancing. Love that. He video. did. Yeah, that's a great one. He did. It's Also oh Quiet by Bjork. He did Da Funk by Daft Punk, where it's the 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 guy in the dog suit with the boom boombox. Spike Jones, of course, has done a lot of great movies, a lot of like sort of quirky movies. He did Being John Malkovich. Um, so, again, he's able to take that that interesting and unique way to look at uh, a film project and condense it into a five minute music video and then take that vision and, and turn it into some really interesting and outstanding movies. So you've got some of these really big name directors that have gone on to have amazing movie careers as full time A-list movie directors that started off in music videos. So this is this whole idea where, you know, you're not necessarily slumming it by directing a music video. In fact, it can be your resume to go on to bigger and better things. And uh, so, yeah, I just, I wanted to run down that list. 
And I'm glad you, you kind of mentioned the 90s and into the 2000s, because one of the things I want to touch base on there is the death of MTV. Because, sure. you know, it, it's too bad MTV, you know, they, they just got away from music videos so much. I posted a meme on the Pop Goes Your World Facebook page. And, and by the way, if you don't, you know, like the page, and take a minute and go like the page. I post all kinds of goofy stuff on there. But I, I posted a meme on there that basically said, MTV was 39 years old. Thanks for 14 years of music. You know, and it's true. Like, they, they've, they've gotten away from their core business model. And I think it happened right after the real world came out. Because I think, you know, the producers uh, at MTV saw the success of that show. And they also probably saw how cheap it was to produce crappy reality shows. So MTV ended up switching their focus from music videos to reality shows. They, they, I mean, they took Tom Green from Canada and they had him down there. And they just kind of moved away from playing music videos. And it's unfortunate because it just kind of died, right? Well, and again, we, we talk about this a lot is a lot of entertainment decisions are dollars and cents decisions. And I mean, the real world in and of itself was a very influential show for a lot of reasons. Uh, I mean, love it or hate it, love or hate the genre of reality TV, love or hate that show in in specifically. It was uh, groundbreaking and ahead of its time for for what it it is, what it was and what it did for for the idea of the reality TV program, but also the opportunity for um, disenfranchised and minority groups to be seen on mainstream TV uh, in a way that was genuine. Um, it, it was certainly groundbreaking in that regard. Now, in all fairness, MTV started showing a lot of crappy stuff in the not too distant future after that. But like you said, there, it, you know, it was a dollars and cents decision. And unfortunately, we didn't get the music videos in heavy rotation like we once did. And, and now we don't get them at all. But I think we look at something like the Internet and, and that's really what's to blame. And that's opened up doors for other artists. So, well, I wanted to mention that because yeah, okay. when it comes to millennial, you know, music videos. Now, now keep in mind, granted, you know, I know very little about millennial pop culture. And when I say when I say I know little, I mean it in the strongest way. Uh, but I was always under the impression that when MTV died, so did music videos. And I mentioned this to you the the other day when we, you and I were talking, you know, off the podcast, and you were telling me that's not the case. So where the hell do all these music videos get played? They get played on the internet. YouTube has become a haven for music videos. And and we're not talking classic videos, although classic videos are readily available on YouTube. But new artists understand and have learned from those who have come before them, right? Like they say, I, I'm resting on the shoulders of giants. Mm -hmm. uh, so many of today's most popular artists, musicians especially, have been able to look at what has helped make the biggest artists that came before them as big as they were. So let's say they look at someone like Michael Jackson and the videos are a huge part of that as we've already discussed. And so understanding that a music video that is available to your fan base can boost sales as it boosted sales in the eighties, it continues to boost sales now. And you see more and more artists will release their their brand new singles on iTunes and YouTube through the music video on the same day 
because they want that visual to be available. It helps. Not that you have to pay to use to use YouTube or to listen to it from YouTube. But it drives but people over to iTunes to buy it the song. It absolutely right? does. Yeah. And you can even have the referral link. Click here to go to iTunes to buy this for 99 cents. And so, But it was the same uh, way. And that makes sense because back in the day, they didn't make any money for their videos being on MTV. It was driving sales of the of the albums. Of the albums. Yeah, yeah for sure. So, like, same for business example, model. Yeah. So let me ask you this, Chris. So I, I looked up, uh, I found an interesting article and it was a list. It was a, it was some statistics here at the end of last year, December 30th, 2019. So mm-hmm. less than a year ago, but at the end of the calendar year, okay. somebody put together the stats for the 30 most viewed music videos ever on YouTube. Okay. How, how many views do you think the number one video has on YouTube? Well, like I say, I was looking at a bunch of these 80s ones on YouTube and I found Aha and Take On Me and it had a billion views. So I'm going to say, I can't imagine many having more than that. So I'm going to say Aha would be number one. Not even close. Oh, doesn't even crack the top three. Oh the number God. one has 6.5 billion views. How the hell is that even possible? There's the 7 billion people on the planet. Yeah. So Everybody in remote villages, you know, in, 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 you know, the intercontinent are like watching that. Like, this well, is crazy. Yeah. So in this case, you're sort of half right. The number one song is Despacito, which is not even in English, but was a big hit in North America. But oh number two is Ed Sheeran, The Shape of You from 2017 with 4.54 billion so the top 30 list the worst that I thing got, is I don't even know either one of those songs wow okay so last year Ed Sheeran was the most uh, uh, the highest grossing music personality of the year by leaps and bounds above the next the next person and in this top 30 list there are three or four songs by Ed Sheeran on the list all of which have a minimum of 2.2 billion views that's insane and so to correlate that views on YouTube equal dollars not that they get paid from YouTube, but knowing that it drive it's commercial for their song and drives people to buy the download or buy the CD if they're still buying CDs or go to see the concert or the live performance. There is a direct correlation with this. And um, like uh, for a long time, uh, Gangnam Style by Psy was the number one most viewed music video. Uh, it came out in 2012. And I think for right, like a year or two, that. it yeah. was the number one by a lot. It is still holding strong at number five on the list at 3.48, so almost 3.5 billion views since it was released in 2012. Like these numbers are staggering. And now I got to think, and I don't know for certain, I got to think these are views where people have watched the whole thing. This isn't just I watched 10 seconds and went, okay, I get it. Like these are complete views. So these numbers are That's staggering insane. and outstanding. And it's it's all of today's top performers it's all of today's top grossing performers so you have like taylor swift is on this this list two or three times Katy perry is on this list two or three times Who, is there any old is there list. any like older people like queen must be on no. there the oh, oldest song crazy. on this list so again this is just the top 30 okay the oldest one on this list is from 2010 it's a song by shakira called waka waka and the next ones after that are in 2012 there were two from 2012 
Crazy. Let Her Go by Passenger. And where was my other 2012 here? It was Gangnam Style by Psy. So no one's going back and watching all the old Queen videos. Not they are, but not times. at the, the level not, that they no, are. Not even close. Crazy. And, and so again, with all of these songs being in the last, you know, four, five, six years, it, it's a, it clearly demonstrates that music videos are alive and well and are a viable medium. And and again, I, I, one of the things I want to emphasize is, so number six on this list, number six, all-time most viewed YouTube music video with 3.2 billion views is the song Sorry by Justin Bieber from 2015. Justin Bieber isn't even in the video. He doesn't appear at all. Not once. Like that's the whole thing with this video is it's this like dance troupe that's doing their moves. And it's again, it's it's the the foresight by a creative, not necessarily the artist who's singing the song, but the people who are putting the video together to be able to understand what it takes. What's the winning formula to put a good video online to create a new video for a musician to help push sales and and help drive their popularity and it isn't necessary. Now, in all fairness, there are a few songs on this list where it's just a bunch of pretty girls in skimpy outfits singing a song. And the song's well and good, but the visual certainly added to that. But surprisingly, that is not the overwhelming majority of this list. Most of these videos are like mini movies where there's clearly been a substantial budget put towards making a music video. So it's a medium that's alive and well and is generating huge money. I don't think I've ever heard an entire Justin Bieber song in my life. And I'm certainly in the in the minority here. And I feel like the 80s music video is a dying art breed. And I'm, I'm so sad after hearing you say all this because I feel like I'm a dying art breed. <laughs> Jeez. Like, just, I don't know, man. I just, I, I feel like I'm being left behind. I thought music videos were dead and that's like billions of views. Well, my goodness. Like, oh, geez. It's insane. So before we, I, I'm looking at the clock here. We've been we've been rambling. So one last thing I want to mention. So there are a, a handful of artists that really, really have a knack for the music video and and just get it. And I think that uh, uh, the one that is in my mind the absolute best right now is a band called OK Go. Have you ever heard of OK Go? I actually think I've heard of it. I've never heard any of their songs, but I've heard that name. Okay, so. The song that put them on the map was because of their video. I mean, it's a great song. It's called Here It Goes Again. And the video is the four band members. They've got these treadmills set up in that going in opposite directions. There's like four or five treadmills. And they do like these dance moves where it looks like they're skating on the treadmills. And they posted the video on YouTube. And the thing was a viral sensation. It was just this interesting way to self-promote. It was a super cheap video for them to do, to produce, to shoot it. It obviously took a ton of choreography to get it right. And I'm sure they recorded hundreds of versions before they finally nailed it. But it was this simple idea of a band that was understanding the medium and, and, and hit it big. Since then, they've had a number of runaway successes based on their videos. They had, they had a great song called I won't let you down where they're on like these little motorized unicycles and then people all have umbrellas and you get these shots with drones from overhead where they're opening and closing the umbrellas that are all different colors to create what really looks like a light bright style visual. Um, they had another one called the one moment where 
there's an explosion at the beginning of the video. Like it's in a studio and it's, they show you this explosion of color and all the rest of that. And then the thing comes up and says, this explosion took four seconds. We're going to slow it down for you. And then they perform the song, which is like four minutes long. And the whole video is the slow motion of those four seconds. So things are exploding in slow motion. Again, it's just this really interesting way to, to display a visual. And the last one I want to mention by them is called Upside Down and Inside Out, where they went on the Vomit Comet, which is the airplane that uh, they do astronaut training where you get zero gravity uh, simulation for real. And they did a whole music video in zero gravity on a plane in like one long take. Again, this is just this band. It's these four young guys who have this creative, I, I'm going to use the term genius, to to come up with these crazy ideas for videos, but they just keep nailing it every time. So, I mean, I don't follow many bands on social media, but I follow OK Go. And when they put out a new video, I give myself five minutes to go watch it because I know it's going to be an eye opener. So the music video is a medium that's alive and well, and a lot of artists are doing a really good job of nailing it. I started out this episode really enjoying myself and I like to trip back in time to all of the old music videos and now I just feel old. <laughs> I'll, I'll send you the links to the OK Go videos. Yeah, I'll take a look at be, them. You're gonna, you may not enjoy the music because I, I get a sense of what kind of music you like and this right. is probably not your thing. Probably not it. But just just watch them. For, you can even watch them with the sound down so you don't have to, you, like, right. you need to hear the beat for a lot of it for it to make sense but I think you're going to be uh, in awe of some of the visuals that these guys have put out. Man, I just feel so old now. Anyway, on that note, let's have some fun with Caveman. Okay, so music videos are an art form. No question about that. We made that clear tonight. And some of the music videos that have been made over the years are almost like mini movies, as we mentioned. And what mini movies would be complete without movie stars? So throughout the history of music videos... Well-known actors have appeared in music videos, you know, from time to time. So what we're going to do, Derek, is I'm going to give you the year, the artist, and the song title. I'm going to give you lots of information. All you have to do is tell me the famous actor that appeared in the music video. Oh, boy. Okay. I, I am, I'm terrible at putting names to face. No. I'll probably, like, be able to picture the person and not give you their name. You're going to anyway. do you're gonna do really well on okay. this one. Are, I assume they're all going to be from your wheelhouse. So no, no, no. I've piece. spread these out all over the place. Okay. 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 But, yeah, I guess mostly from my, my era. Right. But, anyway. The Wait first, on. The first one I'm going to start you with is one you've already mentioned, so I know you're going to get it. 2001, Fat Boy Slim, Weapon of Choice. Christopher Walken. Very good. See, you got this. Okay. There we go. 1984, Bruce Springsteen, Dancing in the Dark. Courtney Cox. Very good. Courtney See? Cox Arquette, depending on when oh. you're answering this question. You're going to kill this. These are all easy. 1986, Paul Simon, You Can Call Me oh, Al. God. I love this video. I love the song and I love the video. It made it even better. Chevy Chase. Too. I love it too. It's so good. All right. So 1992, Michael Jackson, Remember the Time. Uh, there were a bunch of famous people in that. There was uh, the the model Iman that was married to David Bowie was in yes. that. Um, uh, Magic Johnson was in that. And Eddie Murphy was in that. Eddie Murphy is correct. Very good. Staying with Michael Jackson, 1991, Michael Jackson, Black or White? Uh, at the beginning, there was George Went and Macaulay Culkin. See, 
<laughs> you're really going to do poorly on this one. You're killing it. 1993, Aerosmith, crying. I think that was Liv Tyler and Alicia Silverstone. I'll give you that one. It's Alicia Silverstone. It's not Liv Tyler. Liv Tyler was in Crazy, but Alicia Silverstone. There was one where they were both in the video together. That was and in at Crazy. And where she where yeah. she jumps off the bridge and the bungee jump at the end. That was Is crying. that the one you were asking that me about? That was crying, where she gives the finger at the end. Okay, yes. 2000. Eminem, the real Slim Shady. Who's the Ooh. famous actor? Hmm. Uh, I'm at, at only the very beginning in a nurse's costume. In, in, sorry, in what? At the very beginning, wearing a nurse's costume. Wow. Uh, I got to think Dr. Dre. No, it was Kathy Griffin. Kathy sure. Griffin was given out the medication. Okay, 2001, Jennifer Lopez, Jenny from the Block. Well, probably actor. Ben Affleck. Yeah, good guess. You are correct. Okay, 1988, Bobby McFerrin, Don't yep. Worry, Be Happy. I, I can't think of the other guy, but Robin Williams was in that. Robin Williams is correct. Yeah. I can't 19- think of the name of the other guy. He was actually just in the show Legion. Oh, there you go. Anyway. 1999. Britney Spears, You Drive Me Crazy. Wow. Uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't think I know that video. I know the song. I don't know the video. Uh, there was two. It was Melissa Joan Hart. And Michael Grenier. Sure. from Entourage. Okay, 1991. Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers into the great wide open. Um, wow. Famous actor. Wow. I, um, uh, I don't know. It was Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp was if in If you that. say so. Yeah. I honestly, I, again, I, I can't picture the video for yeah. that one. You'd have to go back and watch the video and go, oh, look, at it. it's Johnny Depp. All right. Staying with Tommy uh, with Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, 1994, Mary Jane's Last Dance. Yeah, it's another one that I don't really know the video for. No, I don't know. It's Kim Basinger. Oh, I, I knew that. As soon as you said it, I'm yeah. like, yes. Yes, All right. that's true. 2001, a little bit more into your wheelhouse now. 2001, Enrique. Hey, is totally in my wheelhouse. Oh, yeah. 2001, Enrique Iglesias, hero. Oh, wasn't that from a movie? Uh, hero. Jeez. I don't know. I would have accepted Mickey Rourke or Jennifer Love Hewitt. They were both in that one. Yeah, don't know. All right, 2001, Aerosmith, Jaded. I know the song again. I don't. I don't think I know the video for that one. Myla Kunis, huh? And the last one from 2015, Carly Rae Jepsen. I really like you. Really, 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 really like you. It had two uh, celebrity appearances. It had a guest spot by Justin Bieber at the end, but uh, Tom Hanks was in. Is the actor that I was looking for. Yes, yeah. congratulations. Yeah. All right, so you did okay on that one. You know, you got a for couple the videos of videos that ones. I actually knew. Yep. I, I knew, but the ones that I like, I just I don't know the video. I had no idea. Okay, so next week it's my turn to nominate a movie, and they're going to do one from Gen X as always. Uh, I mentioned last week my my wife had said to me that both me and you have to start nominating better movies, 
She's apparently not a fan of Remo Williams. Go figure. That's her. Hey, why don't we get her to recommend a movie? (laughs) No kidding. (laughs) Yeah, she'd probably recommend Dirty Dancing or something. I was going to say, I'm not watching Dirty Dancing for this podcast. I knew that was where you were going with that. So, anyway, I thought I'd better come up with a a better movie for this week. And, and you know, I'll be honest, I was thinking about a few, like, critically acclaimed movies, a couple of Oscar nominated ones. Nice. Yeah. Give me one of those. Nah, I decided to go a different way. I decided to settle on a comedy action drama film. From no 1985. Now, for millennials, I just want to preface this. For millennials, it might be hard to believe. But there was a time when Chevy Chase was absolutely at the top of his game as an actor and a movie star. And let me tell you, when he was, he was inc- he was an incredibly charismatic guy. And he did a lot of stuff in the 80s. But I think, for me, please, by please, far please, his please, best please, 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 please. was the 1985 crime drama comedy Fletch. Yes. That is the movie I want to do next week. So, Derek, the challenge is go back and watch Fletch, and then next week we're going to do a deep dive on the movie. So I just watched Fletch like about three months ago. It was on. Remember earlier in the summer we we were getting all those free movie channels? Yeah, yeah. I remember you were telling me. Fletch was one of the first movies I recorded off of those free channels earlier this summer. I hadn't seen the movie in years. I was worried it wasn't going to hold up. I loved it. I can't wait to talk about this next week. Let's see how it holds up after 35 years. I have not seen it in probably 30. Um, I want to see if it's as good as I remember it to be. So, you know, we'll have to do all that. Um, okay, so uh, if you'd like to get in touch with us, you can find us on Twitter, at Amaron underscore DM, that's for Derek, and at C. McRyan, that's for me. And popgoesyourworld.com is our website with all of our contact information. Send us an email, that's for sure. Until next week, this is Chris McBrien for Derek Myers saying thanks for listening to Pop Goes Your World, the pop culture podcast for the generations. Thanks for listening to Pop Goes Your World. You can contact Chris and Derek at popgoesyourworld.com. Please take a minute and review the podcast on iTunes or wherever you download and listen to the show.